It's a special week here at the Indie Ball Report. We have a bunch of guests and a bunch to talk about. So stay tuned in for this edition of the Indie Ball Report podcast. All right, we are back again for the like 57th time, 56 episodes, but I think 57 or 58 because we combine stuff. But that's just filling time, me blabbering on about that. What we want to do is get right to the heart of this because we have an hour-long interview with the head of the Black Sox, Joe Torrey. He comes on, he discusses his current uh, situation regarding the Pecos League and how we discussed last week how they are banning the Black Sox players and how they went after the Baseball Scouting League guys and generally just scouting leagues in general. So we had a, a really good discussion with him. He said some very insightful things, and we're going to talk about that interview once you finish listening to it at the end of the episode. So be sure to stay tuned all the way through to hear our thoughts about that. But before we get to the interview, before we get to our thoughts, we have to talk a little bit of shop here and just give you a quick overview of the plan for the week. That way you're not totally lost with what's happening because there's going to be a couple of moving parts here and we want to make sure everybody is on the same page before we progress forward. So we'll begin by just saying this is going to be a two-part week. We also have an interview with... uh, we also have an interview with uh, Road Warriors hitting coach TJ Zerowitz. He is uh, he was a manager and played in the Pecos League for some time, I believe 2016 to 2019. And so he has a lot of experience. And as you will hear between these two interviews, they're, they're not conflicting. I don't think you would say they're conflicting either, would you? No, I would say they're conflicting there. There's points, there's meshing points, but certainly they disagree on certain aspects of the Pecos League. Exactly. So they're not they're not in conflict with each other, but they definitely have different perspectives on the Pecos right. League just by their experiences and interactions with uh, the people over there that run the league and just in general. So we're going to have TJ's interview come out a little bit later in the week. Look for that around Tuesday or Wednesday. What you're hearing today is the Joe Torrey interview like we just introduced. So you'll be able to hear his thoughts on the whole situation there. However, we do understand there is probably a bit of a sizable portion of our audience that doesn't particularly care about the Pecos League one way or the other. And as a result of that, we don't want to leave you out in the cold this week. We don't want to make you go without content. So what we want you to do is head over to our YouTube channel, uh, Indie Ball Report podcast on YouTube. And up around Monday, it'll either be Sunday or Monday, you'll have kind of a pseudo podcast. It won't be terribly long. It'll probably only be about 20, 25 minutes long, but it will cover some of the stories from this past week. Although it was a light week, it's something if you're not terribly interested in the interviews or if you're hungry for content because you're still quarantined and you've ran out of just about anything else to watch or listen to, you can head over to there. We'll have that up in a couple of days before the TJ interviews up. So just quickly recapping the schedule for release will be today, the Joe Torrey interview on Monday, the pseudo episode 56 type. And then on Wednesday will be the TJ interview. So that's how it's going to break down. Uh, I do you want to say any words about the interview just to kind of prep the people going in here or can we dive right into it? So what I what I will say about the interview with Joe uh, and and with TJ, both of them express different philosophies about independent league baseball. 
I would hesitate. The Joe one, as we've said, will go out first. So I would hesitate our listeners to simply listen to Joe's and take it as complete gospel. He says a lot of things that are true and a lot of things that I agree with. However, I do want to make everyone kind of take a pause and look at TJ's as well. Wait for TJ's to come out and listen to that. He says some equally as insightful things. And I think the most important thing to do will be to compare and contrast both interviews uh, in a productive way. And that's how you get the full picture of the Pecos League. Because it would be unfair to the Pecos League to only give Joe's side of things. um, Because TJ does give some insightful things, um, particularly into the upper level uh, ownership of the Pecos League. Exactly. I think that's a good way of uh, phrasing that. I'll just toss my two cents in real quick. I agree with a lot of what you said there. I do agree that you really should listen to both parts before coming up with a total conclusion, a total idea on the situation. Uh, I know when I did the interview with uh, TJ, it did make me reevaluate how I viewed the Pecos League as a whole. Although I will say, after listening to both of them, the one guy that we need to get on is Andrew Dunn. We need to have him on this show. And uh, really, I think he's uh, getting to know Andrew Dunn, I think, is going to be the key piece to solving this mystery of the Pecos League and to see where all the sides lie, as it were. I agree with that. I really agree with that. I think as you all listen to this, Andrew Dunn is a key piece to everything we talk about. He is the owner of most of the teams, if not all of them. He is of the Pecos League. He is the man in charge, the man who does everything. Both TJ and Joe say so, that he does everything in the Pecos League, that he is the most important person there. And if that is to to be true, then we have to get him on and we have to get his side of things. We don't need him to get on and give a a full recap one way or the other, but we do want to get the sense of who he is. And so that would be – that's kind of my early on takeaway that I'll I'll give to the audience before you listen to these things is look out for Andrew Dunn. His name comes up a lot and he's a key piece to all of this. Exactly. I think with that and without any further ado, we will now turn it over to ourselves from Monday. Uh, Here is Joe Torrey, head of the Black Sox on the situation with the Pecos League. Alright, so now we are back. We are joined here by one of the most influential guys in independent league baseball. You'll probably know him as head of the Black Sox, Joe Torrey. How's it going, Joe? Good. What's going on, fellas? How are you? You know, we've, we've been doing pretty good, but we understand that there's a, a whole mess of a storm coming involving the Pecos League here. And as soon as we put out that we were interviewing you, we certainly uh, got to see that full force here. We're going to give you a yeah. second first to explain what exactly the Black Sox are, what you guys do. Well, obviously, we're familiar with it, but some of our listeners may not be as familiar with it. How about you explain that real quick, and then we'll dive uh, headlong into this current Pecos League uh, trouble, as it is. For sure, fellas. And thanks for having me on again. Yeah, so the Black Sox are a, have been a barnstorming team since 2013 when we played our first games against the Newark Bears. Just the Newark Bears needed some spring training games, and I had some connections through coaching uh, independent baseball uh, in my last few years and just had some connections set up a game against Gary Templeton Sr., who led us to his son, Gary Templeton Jr. We got into the Pacific Association, and one game turned into, you know, we have 40 games this year, traveling the country and playing against the uh, 
four or five independent leagues and spring training games in effort to sign players. Uh, it's basically the Black Sox have become a year-round developmental minor league system to train, sign, see, you know, develop players. I've had guys with me for four, five, six, uh, the most probably seven, eight years. Some guys are still with us in their seventh, sixth year. Um, you know, just getting them jobs every year, no matter what league it is, keeping them playing, keeping them ready. We do a six-month program down in Florida, developing guys and training them, getting them exposure, bringing managers down to see them. And it's just become like a – now it's become a, a year-round membership where guys can come in and out as they please so that it fits their schedule. It's really turned into a 12-month-a-year a operation as it used to be just like a Road Warrior barnstorming team. But uh, it's really blown up into something pretty cool for the guys so they can work out in all different areas of the country. There's workouts going on in Texas, California, Jersey, Florida, Chicago at the same time. And these guys can network and get to know each other so that they make this grind that is indie ball easier. So, you know, it's been a team for 18 years, a barnstorming team for eight. It's been a, it's been a lot of miles on the car. Yeah, no, sure. I, yeah, we always see guys really active on uh, both man, you know, on Instagram, but on a lot of social media. We've known you guys for a while. We're very familiar with you, and you, you're moving over a hundred players a year into these uh, independent league teams and whatnot. Correct? Yeah, last year and the year before, over two hundred. Uh, I keep wow. all my lists online under a transactions page. It's just like a spreadsheet. I'm not a very good website guy, yeah. so my website's basically information sheets. Yeah. has our schedule and our transactions on there. If you look like for this year, it's got, uh, I think, 20 guys so far in the top three leagues. Then there's some guys that were, I, you know, I categorize them all differently. But, you know, if you ask me about any one of those guys on any of those lists, I can give you, you know, a story of, you know, what it ended up being. Because anything that I'm involved in where a player's calling me, a coach is calling me, the guy's playing for me, I'm putting his info out there, and we're making these connections for guys to get signed. You know, we're, we're putting it under our belt not to claim the player, yeah. We're putting it under our belt then so that these 20 guys right now that I have that are in the top three leagues in the country and the guys that were re-signed from last year, then their information gets sent out to higher leagues, which are affiliated teams. You know, so right. really, I, I'm the only guy that really keeps track of the list of his players and puts it out there every couple of weeks or months to different teams and different leagues in effort to help get the guys promoted, help get them get invited to MLB invite-only workouts, invited to you know, right to the team spring training complex to throw, just, you know, whatever they need to do to get the exposure. I'm trying to put the information out there and in putting this information out there is kind of, you know, uh, it's, it's been a big benefit in getting guys signed and getting calls about players and getting information out there. But it's also been a detriment. Like if you yeah. talk about this Bagels league situation, it actually works against you when it really shouldn't. But, uh, but if you look on those lists, anywhere you ask me, uh, I think I just posted it today, mm. even without the 70 Pecos guys, that I got last year and onto teams, I still moved 170 guys. And if I moved 170 guys, it could be getting them a job in the Pecos League, promoting them to the Pacific Association, promoting them to the Frontier League, and then them either re-signing or going to a different team or we're waiting. You know, I'm not, yeah. there's nothing on there that's, uh, that's not official. And the reason I keep track of it, you know, is so I can show affiliated clubs, like, look, look how many guys we have that are signed at a high level. And that's been the reason that we've gotten games in the past against national teams and teams overseas and the Atlantic league teams and frontier league teams. You're not going to get the games without having good players. Um, yeah. I mean, you guys move guys along. I'll, I'm going to just quickly jump in and go, yeah. I always see you guys moving guys along. And then, you know, I've looked at the most recent tour that you got slated and you got guy, you got games against Lancaster, Southern Maryland, a slew of frontier league teams. And it, obviously those leagues wouldn't work with somebody that doesn't have the high quality talent that 
you guys do attract and also just the reputation that you guys have. And you did mention just a moment ago with the, the Pecos League problem. I think now is a good time to kind of jump in and just kind of take a look at what's happening there. Because from at least our understanding, it is about a month ago, you were told that your guys are no longer allowed in the Pecos League for a whole slew of various reasons of which uh, I know we were left scratching our head because we didn't really see any of those reasons in anything you guys do. I think they they said something about social media rants or some nonsense like that. Yeah, uh, not, what actually happened was I think the exact wording now, which was sent to the players by their managers, players that already had jobs for next year. So yeah. five guys specifically, and then a guy that I was actually trying to sign at the time, and I wasn't even trying to sign him. But, uh, but but the wording specifically is any player who attends a Joe Torre camp. So basically, if a guy's name is anywhere on my documents or out yeah. there or whatever, you can't play in the Pecos League. I don't know if that means if you already played in the league. So there's several players who've been in the league for two, three, four years. Yeah. Now, so you know, these players' names were already on a band list last year. And on Andrew Dunn's band list, it yeah. says names of every player in my program but it says the reason that they're banned is Florida Winter League. So I have the list right here in front of me. If you go through, it's got CWL, TWL, which is Texas Winter League. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's one on here. It says Vallejo Newspaper. So the guy is banned for Vallejo Newspaper. I don't even know what that means. Thoroughbred okay. League. He he bans guys for all these different reasons. Wow. He, collect, yeah. he collects these lists and he puts them together and then he sends them out to all his managers. So what really happened in that phone conversation and the reason that this is happening is because there's a player here who knows another player. Okay. The other player wants to help get his buddy a Pecos League job. He calls his manager. He says, I think this guy would be a good guy for your team, which he would be. He's a great kid. He's yeah. married guy, young guy, motivated guy, perfect for the situation that the Pecos League is because he could survive it. And I always yeah, am right. honest with guys with you. He could actually make it through it. You know, what yeah, you really need to have. And this, and this kid's been with me for two years. So I could have sent him to the Pecos League his first year. But we both agreed that, you know, keep doing life and graduating and making your money and getting married and building your thing so that when you go, you can have a good time playing instead of go and have a real rough summer in your first year and develop. So I'm dead honest with this kid. I could dump the kid last year into a league if I want to. And right. uh, so now finally, I don't even do it. He's here playing for a month in his second year with me, which his name was already on the band list from the year before, but whatever. And, um, you know, the manager gets the call and he calls the kid back and he says, hey, I'd love to have you, but I can't because your name's on the band list. You're at Joe Torres camp. So I've dealt with this before. I call Andrew Dunn and I say, Andrew, why are you doing this to the guys? Don't do this to the, and it's only been the last couple of years, but he's always tried to hurt our guys one way or the other. A guy will drive all the way across the country, play one game and get released the next day. He'll get, he'll get two hits and he'll get released and they'll say, you know, we still don't have a spot for you. But really what's happening is it's getting back to Andrew Dunn that, Hey, who's this new guy? Oh, he came from Joe Torrey spring training, release him tomorrow. Or you're fired. You lose your job. And that's, that's what it's been. And I know that. So I've been manipulating this carefully just in effort to get young guys opportunities because I played in the league. It's the reason I got to the American Association in 2012 and the reason that I promoted a lot of guys. And it is a foot in the door if it's the right situation. If it's not the right situation, I'm dead honest with guys. And I say, hey, they're not going to pay you. There's nowhere to live. 
Maybe you should just go play the first month and leave or wait till July and show up and pitch good or something. I'm dead honest with the guys. If the financial situation and the life situation isn't there and it's not a great situation to be in the league. And there's a lot of guys that are willing to just go to those terrible places and play the entire season, yeah. regardless of the outcome. So I so when the Jimmy Boyce thing happens, this kid, Jimmy Boyce, I feel bad for him. I'll put his name out there. It doesn't matter. He's already banned. And his buddy helps get him a job in Roswell. The manager says, I can't take you. You're at Joe Torrey's thing. I call Andrew Dunn and I say, hey, Dunn, are we doing this again? And he says, Joe, the deal is done. Now, we don't have a deal. Yeah. But he says, the deal's done. We're not doing this anymore. We're not taking your players. And there's no amount of money you could give me. Like almost making it like I was offering him money, yeah. but I never have. Yeah, he's putting um, words in your mouth. And I just said, Andrew, if you're going to ban the players, I'm going to do what I've always told you. This has always been the deal. This is why he's been cool. I said, I'm going to expose you for everything that you are if you're going to do this deal because it's not right for everything I've – I don't care what I've done for you, but I've kept everything that he's done on the low because I, it's an opportunity to sign play. I've been protecting the dudes and wearing it for years. Wearing – you know, you get phone calls in the middle of the night. You get phone calls on your way driving cross country. Hey, man, uh, this guy's saying I can't play unless I pay $1,000 because – I went to some league before and now they're saying I was in your thing and it cost a grand to get out of this band. And you know how many guys pay the grand? You know how many guys pay the 500? You know how many guys do it? And I never, yeah. I, you know, he, he, what he did was he used to make them go to his camp, but he yeah. realized it's better if you just charge the guy and he never goes to your camp, then you can charge a bunch of different guys to go to your camp and guys would pay it, man. They wanted to play so bad. There's guys that paid it and then probably spent another five grand to live on the road all summer. And, we talked about it up and down. I said, man, I don't want you to spend the money. I feel bad now. Where else am I going to pitch? Because what happens in the Pecos League is there's a certain level of, you know, if, if you got two arms, two legs, and, you know, you can throw the thing straight, yeah. you might get a job just because of the situation that he has built the league into. If he held the league to a higher standard, then it wouldn't be like that. But since almost anybody can go play there, it's like any guy that comes along, you're like, all right, now we got to have the conversation. And it's hard to convince some of these guys not to go. Exactly. That's one thing I've been I, I turned more players away from not just that league, all leagues, just by being honest with them. It's clear that they they have a very low standard. I mean, just from the way they operate, it does seem that way. Just between the ballparks they have, the way they manage themselves, their appearance outwardly has obviously not been good. I know we've been critical of them in the past on this show. And, Highly, yeah. And it's just it definitely gives off that opinion of it's not really well, above board. Uh, well, you're right, but it does kind of look like that, but the real reason that it does that it's run like that is because when people like me go to this man and say, Hey, I've offered every year, I'll tell you, man, since 2000, whatever my, my first year in Pittsburgh, 16, 17. Yeah. So for the last four years, I've offered, I will run White Sands for free and I'll pay the players. Let me build my own team. You know what his answer is? No, Joe, you, you, are a small time hustler. Your place is in Houston. And people that have talked to this guy know that my 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 impression is going to get spot on if I get into character. Yeah. And he tells me that my place is in Houston at his summer camp where he, or summer season where he brings all these college guys in and they play for the summer. But that's not what I want to do. I want to build the team in, in the worst place in America, uh, Alamogordo, New Mexico. I want to be the manager. I'm going to build the team. I'll do the whole thing by myself and I'll pay the players. And I've been refused every year for four years. I'll find host families. I'll do whatever I got to do. Because I put the offer out there just to see what he says. And if he said yes, I would do it. Yeah, right. And and it'd be my opportunity to get to, because that's what I've been trying to do. You know, yeah. I've been offered other gigs that I've had to turn down because they're similar to the deal Andrew Dunn wants to do. So it's amazing how he doesn't really want the help. 
Like he's turned down me, which means he's turned down anybody else that's offered him that had something to offer that to bring to the table that could actually make his life easier. So when he's doing the work for 13 of the teams, the schedule, the, the going into every city, getting all the sponsorships, doing all that, you know, it's going to be run that way because he's yeah. spread so thin. It's nothing against, you yeah. know, there are very good players that are in the league. Oh, there are some 100%. of the best players that have been through there. There, There's only been a few good coaches really through there. Uh, there's only been a few good stories, but it has been a place for people to go in and make something crazy happen if they're that good. Right. Um, you know, so I'm not going to say it's not a great, it's not a foot in the door to play, but now I feel bad because it, it's players, you know, you're already banned from the frontier league. If you play there, it's yeah. just going to cost you more money in the long run to get to where you're going to get to. And the problem has become two years ago when he changed the status of the league to not have to pay the players when they did the minimum wage thing. That's okay. what really changed the whole landscape of the league. Cause now he's focusing the age, the age group drops down. And now he's just looking for college players who don't know any better because they just played for the, they just paid to play the last four summers of their college career in college summer league. So what's the difference for paying for a fifth one or a sixth one or a seventh one? And that's what he's go, he's gearing towards. Like everybody thinks that the Pecos league thing is. It, oh man, it hurts the players. You know who it really hurts? It hurts the 35 year old guy who is trying to become the veteran on one of those teams. So think about what I've been really trying to do here by keeping it good for myself, the players, everybody else involved. And then for a guy to turn around and tell any player who wants to pay money to go work with major league baseball coaches, frontier league, American association, you know, our pitching coach was supposed to go to China before this thing happened. He's co- he's a pitching coach in MLB China. Um, okay. For the MLB in China, you know, a guy that works our offseason workouts in Texas is the high A manager for the for the Giants. He's the recent Frontier League manager. Uh, uh, you, guys, you guys know. Yeah, you guys know Dennis. Yeah. So yeah. basically, if a player wants to be in my program and work with Dennis Pelfrey in the offseason when it's snowing in Dallas, he can't play in the Pecos League. And if a guy wants to in New York, he lives in New York and Chad Rhodes is around for one month. The guy cannot go throw bullpens with Chad Rhodes in the offseason unless we hide his name. Or he can't play in the Pecos League. This guy cannot get better. He has to go to the Western League or the Houston League, pay $2,000 and go to this camp where you're not going to get better. You're not going to get exposure, Yeah. you know, which which leads you into the deeper problem, which is, you know, what he's putting out there. What he's, if you really look into what's on his website, if you look into the scouts that are at the camp where they say they're at the camp or whatever, you'll find out everything you need to know. It's just people don't know. You know, they don't really know. Exactly. So he's just basically trying to get guys that are fresh out of college that don't know any better and think, oh, this is just how the system works. I got to pay to play, but don't worry. There'll be eyes on me or at least I'll get reps. I'll have stats. I'll have something to post to try and get the scouts and try and move along here. But meanwhile, that's not entirely the case here because they don't really have the proper guidance because the coaching is so-so because the guy's spreading himself thin amongst 13, 14 teams of which he owns five of them, but he's refusing any help to try and run some of the other ones to take the load off. To no, try he, and he owns 13 of them. Oh, he owns 13 of them? I thought he only owned five. He owns, he owns all of them except for Alpine. Wow. Wow. Yeah, he, that's that what I'm saying. Fun. But now it's not necessarily – I'm sorry to cut you off, but yeah. it's not necessarily the coaching. The coaches are there, and they're in a desperate situation yeah. too. They really yeah. can't promote players because they have nowhere to get players. So yeah. what do you think I've offered for the last 10 years? Right. Yeah. You need a guy, you call me, and I'll get you a similar or better guy. You tell me exactly what you need, and you know how many of the – let's say how many teams were there last year, 14? Yeah. You know how many of the managers I talked to the whole year? Two. You know how many I talked to throughout the whole year? Four. Now, I scout for the Railcats and Boomers. So yeah. I've got the Railcats manager. I've got the Boomers yeah. manager. The Frontier League and the American Association asking yeah. me, what about this guy? So I call a manager. 
Nothing. I email him. Nothing. So I got to go to the players. Now I got a great guy, Derek Reddy, who plays with the Milwaukee Milkmen. Okay. Finished the season with the Milkmen. Did a tremendous job by communicating with me so that I could promote a few other guys at a high desert because he was on his team and he knew he was going to be leaving and getting promoted. He's like, I got to help these guys before I leave. I got to get him with Joe. And so we, we looked over a bunch of guys. We got a couple of them to the American Association. Uh, some of them ended up going to the Pacific, finishing the season, and a lot of them are with us now. But that's the effort that it takes to get guys promoted in the Pecos League. Yeah. Not not somebody calling a Pecos League team because now they don't know what's out there. If, if American Association guy, which most of them, Frontier League guys, most of them, they don't know what the Pecos League is, so they're not going to mess with it. They're going to grab a guy from someone else they know, a more trusted source, a college coach, whatever it is. Mm. That's the route that they're going to go if it keeps going in the same direction. So. I've given all the questions that you guys have or people have about why doesn't he do this or why doesn't he try to do this to make it better? I've made those suggestions. Yeah. You know, I've, I've tried to help, you know, in a, in a, in a legitimate way for the last however many years, but just trying to get guys jobs because I understand if they get the foot in the door and they do something cool, they could go to a, a much better level. Now, right. the intrigue for a guy that knows nothing, if he directs you to his transactions page, you know, and you go on there, you don't know what those transactions are. So you read, oh, promoted to the Pacific Association. You read promoted to the whatever. But now the last couple of years, he's told me that the Pacific Association is not a step up. It is not a step up from the Pecos League. They don't need to be sending players there. But last year at the end of the year, when they had nowhere to send anybody, where did they send them all? Right. So can't send anybody to the Frontier League because your players are banned. You're saying you don't want to send anybody to the Pacific, saying you don't need them, but then that's the only place that you can. You have a team in the yeah. league. I mean, yeah. you need you need it. And all the other ones, if you look into them, and this is like anybody's website, mine, California Winter League, Baseball Scouting League, whatever they are, yeah. go on there, click on the name, and see what the guy really did. You know, So yeah. if you look on here, right. half the guys or however many of them, whatever the transactions are, see if they were – legitimate and how they worked out. You know, I can look at a bunch of them that are on there. Matt Uresti made it to Vallejo because he was on our road tour team. And then yeah. he went back to Trinidad. Our shortstop got promoted to Quebec. That's Brandon okay. Fisher. Okay. So okay. we grabbed, we grabbed Uresti. It doesn't say thanks to Joe Torrey and the Black Sox for promoting Matt Uresti. And it doesn't yeah. say that for Derek Reddy. It doesn't say that for Andrew Cartier or Daniel Gardner or anybody else that we promoted. Half these players, Manny Corpus pitched with us in spring training. Right. Jake, Jake Binder's with me right now trying to get him a better job. So instead of helping these guys that are on this list that half of them, you know, whatever it is, you look it up and see how they got their jobs and what they did. But, you know, instead of using the sources that he could use to promote more guys, which half of them on there, I'm doing anyway. He wants to shut people out because he doesn't want to move players on because it doesn't help him to lose a bunch of players in July. When you already have no players, you're already not paying them. They already have nowhere to live. You're going to be losing players, and that's why they folded uh, the last, the the second, uh, the back end of one of the teams last year. They folded yeah. it. They folded one of right. the team's home games. And so, who do you think gets the phone call when those things happen? Yeah, hey, man, I'm in Tucson. I need to get to California. What do I do? And I'm trying to help the guy out. But yeah. everything he's ever heard for the last three years is stay away from Joe Torrey. Stay away from the California Winter League. Stay away from these people. So what's a young kid going to think? He's coming out of college. The only thing he's ever heard is that I make guys live out of their cars and eat dirt. So what's the guy going to think? Exactly. Yeah, he, right. he starts thinking, well, I've always been told against this guy. I'm supposed to trust these people that have been telling me this is the way to do things. Now I'm standing out in the rain and I got nowhere to go. So I guess, you know, 
So I suppose my, my question here is, my big question is, so why does Dunn seem to, to do business this way? Why is he blackballing guys uh, on these ban lists? Why is he specifically targeting uh, your players? Do you think there's a, a personal reason for that or just uh, an overall incompetence uh, that kind of clouds him? No, uh, it's not a, It's not that. He, there are times when I look at him, I know this guy for a long time. We've had a lot of conversations, you know. One of his best tricks recently was grabbing the Martinez franchise, getting Martinez to turn over, saying he was going to put Martinez in the Pacific Association, and now it's a Pecos League team. He right. is actually way more calculated than you realize, than a lot of people realize. This, and he gives that, you know, much like I do even on my social media, you know, the way I, I present that thing is as a character. Yeah, you know, right. I'm not, that's, exactly. I, that, I can't be Joe Torrey on there giving out all this information 24 seven. That's my, that's why I'm having half my problems in the first place. So yeah. I have to, you have to mold this thing to what it is. And that's what he's done really well. And, and is to have a league for that long. I mean, and to, to pull it off and to promote guys that he has in the past, like back in the day, man, in 2012, 13, 11, when I was there, the players in that league were they were good enough to play in the American Association, the Frontier League. We were promoting guys all the time. You know, I right. went to watch a doubleheader this year, and the starting pitcher was 77 to 81, left-handed guy. The catcher caught both ends of a doubleheader. They played seven innings on turf. And it's to me like, how am I going to get back to the American Association? You know, that's the problem. Right. So yeah. So it used to be a real legitimate thing, but this guy, and, and if you want to know the real, the, I'll give you a go back to the beginning of it. Something happened in the Arizona Winter League or the California Winter League. I don't remember which one, but there was a manager there who invited 40 players to spring training in Roswell okay. because yeah. he wanted to help guys out, but he didn't work in the Pecos League. I think he worked in the American Association. Right. And the tale is that the guy had a couple too many beers and invited 40 players to Roswell in spring training. So naturally, Andrew Dunn is thinking, wait a minute, I got 40 guys showing up to my spring training that paid $2,000 to go to another league. That's my competition that I'm banning all the players from that league. And then once he did that, he said, well, why don't I just ban this league and that league and that league? I'm going to ban this league. So he started banning everybody. And now they start banning him back. Well, Andrew Dunn banned bad mouths us. And so the one thing I've always tried to do with the California Winter League, Baseball Scouting League, I'll tell you, man, we we played the Baseball Scouting League in their first ever games when they were the BBL. You know, I played in the California Winter League. I've signed players, helped them. I've helped players go from the California Winter League to Andrew Dunn's thing to get a job in the Pecos League. So I'm the only thing that's ever really stayed universal because I believe in it. There's no way that it can work well for the players, the guys we're trying to help, or the managers who are trying to win, if it is the way that it is. So I've always offered all these different options to everybody. So one thing Andrew Dunn has always taken advantage of is me not really being associated with a team or a league or whatever. And so his thing used to be, Joe, call me and say, Joe, make a video. Uh, the Mount Rainier League's coming out. Make a video and bury them. Joe, make a video and uh, bury the what I said, no, I'm not doing that, man. It's going to yeah. kill itself, you know? Like, And that's the sad thing. If you look on these ban lists, there's guys from the Mount Rainier League on here. Like, you're yeah. banning guys that try to play in a league that never happened. The guy lost enough money trying to do that. If he wants to come to your league, you should be happy with it. So it really started with, It's obviously, it's all about money. He would rather have the Winter League with 300 players that are charging, you know, $3,000 or whatever. He'd rather have that. But instead right. of trying to put out a better product, he's just little by little I'm going to ban the players from this league. And that, and little by little, those leagues have disappeared. And that's why the only thing left now, really, is the Baseball Scouting League, California Winter League, and my thing. Those are the only 
things. But the only difference is those other things are one month leaks. And I am a 12 month a year operation and we, I don't stop. You know, we did fall ball in New Jersey for three months. We went December rookie camp. Then we've been down here, January, February, March, spring training will come up. We'll do the whole summer season and we'll do it again. And we won't stop. And it's been 18 years of it. So at some point you got to look at me probably and say, I hate this Joe Torre guy. He doesn't stop, but I'm sending guys to your league and you're making some money off of it, but you're not happy with the amount of money you're making off of it. So now I think he's told me in the phone call that the California winter league called him and said, Hey, why don't you just ban Joe Torre players? What's the difference of a Joe Torre player and a California winter league player? Now, I don't know if that's true or not, because I reached out to the California winter league, of course, and they said, no, never happened, but I'm just covering my ass. I go everywhere and make sure I, I cover all my tracks, but really what it comes down to is, you know, when you're not making money in your, in your leagues that you have out West and your in your league that you have in, in like, he's got a Hudson river league in Texas. The Hud, I mean, the Hudson yeah. river league, man, yeah. it's supposed to be where you guys are. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and, and the thing is that it was, it was where you guys are. Yeah. It was right. in Lynnhurst, New Jersey okay. in 2015. And if you go online and you type in Hudson river league, black Sox, Pecos league, what do you think comes up? Two teams playing every day, the Pecos League versus the Black Sox, much like the Broward Baseball League, Baseball Scouting League versus the Black Sox. We've been around playing these teams and doing this shit forever. And he didn't take that down. He didn't take his website down of all the games against us and all the players he signed. So he started it in the Northeast. And then he realized, man, Joe Torre is out here. The Black Sox are out here. I don't know. And he moved it to Texas. But don't you think I offered a better solution to that? Of course, I would have ran it every year. I would have signed 60 guys into it every year. It was a great idea, except for that we didn't have two full teams. We didn't have baseballs. We didn't have umpires. And Andrew Dunn left three days into it. He took off. And he left me with two managers in the league who they did a great job trying to keep the thing going, doing the best they could for the 17 or 20 guys that were there. They really were warriors through the whole thing. They were some of the most credible guys that I could ever say came out of the Pecos League. But we were all in a rough situation that he left us in. And he was no different at that point than the Myrtle Beach Winter League or the Arizona or anything. It was all the same. He had put himself in that category. Instead of trying to make his thing better, he's continually, you know, refused the help that he should probably take. That's that's it's a it's more of a plot, man. It's definitely a. This thing is a dirty game. Yeah, you don't do this. You don't do all of this so consistently if it's not a planned thing to do. It if you did it once or twice, then shit happens. But when it happens three, four, five times, and you're constantly saying, "Oh, I don't want this leak here. I don't want that leak here," and it all looks like it comes back to the margins, it's hard to argue that it's not at some point at least calculated in a way. Yeah, it's it's more than calculated, and the problem really is that when people in this game don't want to work hard, which is what I see. I see a lot of guys want to, especially look, let's just use the players as an example. You know, yeah. the players now, you know, they want to post a video and they want to hit off the tee and they want to do something in on rap Soto. And that's deserving of a minor league job. You know, I have guys with an ADRA that last year asking me, when do you think I'm going to get my shot in the minors? You know? So when the expectation is so low for the players, look what the expectation becomes for the coaches and the work that they put in. Yeah, it sets a bad you know example. I mean? It sets the bad yeah, precedent of this is all yeah. I want to do instead of going, I want to be at the highest level possible. And same with all these coaches and same with all these guys in the Pecos League and all these other places. They don't want to really do what they need to do to be the best. They just want to say they're the best and go out and just get a whatever. It's, it, honestly, it comes down to the, the things we're making fun of the players about day in and day out. It is at the higher level, too. So 
you know, instead of these like Pecos League managers, and like, I was in the great staff back in, when I was there, and all those guys are still involved in professional baseball, but I've always looked to see when is a guy going to go make something of himself? When is he going to go do something? And it's because there's no, they, they're not allowed to do anything. They're not allowed to go out and go to the different tryouts and go to the different leagues and see players and all that. So when the, when the highest level becomes like that, that's where you kind of see the trickle down effect and everything else kind of, kind of follows. So, you know, it's, yeah. it really has become just at the highest level that less is being done. There's less attention to detail. There's less attention to really helping guys. There's less attention to, you know, making a plan for a guy. Everybody wants to make their money in three weeks and send everybody on their way and praise Jesus and try again later. And so it becomes, you know, all these guys are trying to get over, but if they all really put it together, it could be something cool, you know, but now what's happening is, and that's why I kind of like this, uh, this zombies attacking right now, because it really puts everybody in a, in a different position that maybe nobody's ready for. And you got to see how all these guys react. Like, where are they going to see players and where are they going to sign players and where are they going to, you know, where are they going to get information from now? If there's no college seasons happening, it's actually now time to see who the best guys out there playing are and, you know, see if these people will work together to promote guys and help guys out. Because at the end of the day, man, you know, and I hate being at the end of the day guy, but yeah. these dudes are only going to play for a little while. Exactly. They're not going to play for that long. So why do it? To, you know, exactly. I don't understand why, why, why do it. To exactly. It all starts at the top. And if at the top they don't care about the details and they just care about one thing and that thing's money. And you decide to cut every other everything else off. You're going to create a bigger problem later on. The guys that only have their two, three, four years to really have a shot at playing, they're the ones who are really going to be screwed at the end. The coaches don't have any leadership to go off of. They're trying their best, obviously, and it just it becomes a larger problem as it goes further down the chain. And well, the thing is that the coaches, you know, everybody thinks in minor league baseball that the coaches or managers or whatever are like affecting developing a guy or promoting him, but that's not really, you know, that's not really the case in the American association of frontier league. Some of those leagues, you know, it's more just, it's more doing the daily job, you know, like making sure that if these are the groups, then you're sticking to the groups. And if this is the pitching program, then this is the pitching program you're sticking to. And this is the, you know, this is what we're going to do more than it is say, take, let's take this guy and let's get him better over the course of 96 games. It's not really that. So if you go down to the lower levels, what do you think it is? You know, exactly. now they're just yeah. worried about, do we, does every guy have pants? You know, do we have pants? Right. Do we have lunch? Or are we, do we, did we, oh, the van ran out of gas. And, you know, this guy yeah. left his catcher's equipment back home and we traded this guy. You know, it's so more being more. a parent than being a coach, really. Oh, it's, it's, oh, yeah, man, trust me. And that's where, uh, you know, that's why we try to develop these guys into having that kind of mentality in my program that, you know, we joke around like it's a cult, but that's what we want. We want it to be like a belief that you have to act like this and, and, and work like this. And if you don't, then, then you are just a guy that's playing for a year or two. And, and I don't want guys that are just playing for fun, you know. So, but at the lower level, when you see the neglect from some of the guys, that's what becomes the problem. So not, now the manager doesn't want to promote the guy. He doesn't want to help the guy. But also, he doesn't give a shit if the guy makes it to the next city. He doesn't care if he bashes the guy on Facebook after they release him. He doesn't care if they, you know, in that phone conversation that I have, you know, destroy a guy's, you know, reputation and, and you know, destroy him up and down. You know, when you're a manager in professional baseball, or are you? You know, are you really yeah. a manager of professional baseball? And that's that's what you see, and that's why people don't deal with the league. So, yeah. you know, that's why we've tried to build our network around guys that work in Major League Baseball and guys that work in the higher leagues that promote a lot of players that have connections to get these guys to where they need to get to instead of just, you know, I've offered all those Pecos League managers every year to come here and 
pay them and give them good money to see players and sign players, but they're just being restricted. So the problem becomes like as a rail cast, why would I want to get players in the tables? Yeah. Right. You know, why, why, why should the Jackals or the Boulders want to get players from somewhere that the guy, what kind of scouting reports are you going to give you on a guy? Exactly. If he doesn't like the guy, it's going to be. Yeah. yeah, you can't yeah. trust if you, if you can't trust the coach to give you an honest report on the guy because he has a vendetta against him or he just doesn't like the way he handles himself. Then you know you can't you can't trust that. And it seems like a lot of your programs half make him a better ball player, but the other half is just getting them in the right mindset to go. If you're going to be a professional, you have to act like it. You have to make sure you have all your gear. You have to make sure that you're working out even when no one's there. You got to make sure that you're doing the drills. You're sticking with it. You're eating right. You're working out right. You're doing everything to the nth degree. So that way you're in that proper mindset, that professional mindset. Because if you don't have it, then, you know, your days are numbered off the bat. Well, you said something earlier. You said, um, you said something about these guys, you know, they're, they're all trying to get a job and they, you know, but the thing is that when we're on the road, they're all trying to get a job. Like they're not trying to be the three hitter on Southern Illinois team. They're not trying to yeah. be the center fielder in Washington. They're, yeah, they just want a contract. 20, yeah. They're trying to be the 21st, 22nd, 25th right. guy. They're, they're trying to be that guy. And that's the guy that we're developing and training. Not that we don't want them all to be the starter. Obviously even down here, they're all playing together. Some of them are the starters and some of them are the three hitters and some of them are the shortstop. But right. they have to understand like, you know, you might play your first game in left field or second base if you're a shortstop. It so it's more training guys to be the role that they're going to be. And people yeah. aren't willing to accept the role that they're going to be in this game, which I accepted a long time ago. People are, oh, why don't you coach? Why don't you manage or whatever? Because the role that I am to help all these guys, this vehicle I have to not do this would be, like, why wouldn't I do this for as yeah. long as I could help as many guys as I could? Because you never know when it's going to end. You can always go coach and do all that other stuff, whatever. So these guys in the game, the players who don't accept their roles, those are the guys that want to go to tryouts and pitch one time and sign and be the number two starter. Those are guys that want to go to the tryout and hit one home run and I'm going to be the four hitter in this team tomorrow. And the, and the real, if you play the mat, you play the numbers, that's not the way that it works out. Very rarely. I've had thousands of players come through me and sign hundreds of them and only once in a while with like very, very low, low, low percentage you get a guy that just cruises right through and is the best guy at every level and makes it to the top. It's almost never, you know, and, and usually the guy was somebody before he got to you. He just came through and used the workouts or did what he had to do to keep developing himself. But that's the, that's the illusion that these other, you know, these other things. And that's the problem with the Pickles League, because if, we're, if I'm trying to develop the 25th guy, what are, what are they, when they promote a guy, what guy is that? What, what is he, the 30th guy or is he yeah. the second guy? And that's the problem that we've seen. Right. A lot of players going from the one league to the other and not just there. In any league, that's I've been in the Pacific Association for five years and managers do not trust the word. They just don't believe it because it's in the Bay Area. They watch the game on TV and it looks a certain way. It feels like a certain way. Certain guy might be playing you know, where you're like, how is this a good league? But it happens in independent baseball. And yeah. they discredit the Pacific. They discredit the Pagos. They discredit the Empire. Because they don't know what it is. It's like Bigfoot. You know, you know, if you've never seen it, you know, exactly. you're not going to believe it. Yeah, you don't think that it's real. And the players that are getting promoted, only once in a while is it translating. Sometimes it's translating. Like J.B. on Randall was the MVP in the Pecos, MVP in the Pacific, playing in the American Association, going on his third year. Right. That's yeah. not, that's that's barely any guy. Barely. Yeah. You know, Justin Bird, you know, another guy yeah, that just turned Justin. over last year. Uh, Derek Reddy, man. Derek Reddy's one of my favorite guys ever. 
a, a yeah. 600, 550, whatever OBP guy in the Pecos League, um, you know, he goes to Milwaukee. And even that story, man, that Andrew Dunn calls me, hey, I'm trying to promote Derek Reddy to Milwaukee. And I know that Milwaukee guys have been talking to him. And I call the manager and he says, man, I don't trust this Andrew Dunn guy, man. What do you got on Derek Reddy? And I said, probably the same thing he's got. I'm going to tell you to take him, you know, because he's, he's going to be that scrapper guy. I'm not going to say he's going to go to your league and hit 330 and, you know, drive in 50. And I was dead honest with him. And we ended up getting ready there, which, of course, Andrew Dunn didn't want to promote players. But now we're working yeah. together to promote a guy. And he also helped all those guys get out of high desert. But the ready situation, he goes up to Milwaukee, doesn't get on base his first, like, 15 at-bats. So now you're thinking, oh, shit, this is another guy that didn't translate. Now Milwaukee's never going to take another one of my guys. Milwaukee's never going to take a Pecos League guy, whatever. And then he goes down a tear, and I think he gets on base, like, 30 games in a row or something. And yeah. and, and, and it gets pretty streaky, you know, after that, which we're lucky he did. But, and that's the kind of player that he is. Just took a little, I guess – transition over but you know those are the things where it's tough to trust the league if you don't know what you're going to get and so many guys go up even with the real cats last year man oh for 14 seven strikeouts guy hits 100 you know in 100 at bats or something i don't even know why we gave him 100 at bats but you know it's like it's it's things like that that are discrediting it and if i'm trying to see the players before the season and and get them better and help them why are we restricting the guys because the guys need to know what level they need to be at you know, they need to know they need to dominate that level to get to the next level. If you're hitting 250 in the Pecos League, it's going to be, you're not, you're probably not hitting 250 yeah. in the next league. Yeah, it's just right. going to get more yeah. difficult as you climb up the chain there. And it's when you just kind of spot on a league, you just randomly happen upon it. You're right. You don't know anything about it. And then if you just quickly look and see, oh, they're, that's where they're playing, that's how they do things, this is their numbers, you don't know anything about it. And so, like you're saying, if you got a guy you can't trust their word on a scouting guy, and then they come to you and you tell them the honest truth about it, it makes it a lot harder because now they have really only one guy that they trust is telling them the truth, and then they bring this guy up. He doesn't do any good, like you're saying, or well, not he doesn't do any good. He gets a slow start because just obviously a transition from a lower league to a higher league, and then it just that first impression's off, and now you're like, eh, I'll look elsewhere before I get desperate and go to that league. If you're a GM or if you're a coach or your manager, you, there's a bad first impression that it's hard to get rid of. Yeah, and that's why I've tried to really, you know, like I said, I, I offered to run White Sands. I offered to help him with White Sands every year. He said no. So I focused my attention on the Pacific Association where – Last year, we signed more players in the Pacific than we did to the Pecos League for the first time. Obviously, this year, it'll be probably the same or whatever, but uh, there are only four teams, so maybe less. But I don't really focus on the numbers. It's more about the opportunity. Guys are going Pacific Frontier Affiliated Ball. That's what Brian McKenna did. It's what Frank Valentino did. It's what Johnny LaRosa did. So now you're seeing the trend. Where do they play? Florence and Vallejo. So what's the pipeline? Is it? Is it Napa, Southern Illinois? Is it Sonoma? Wherever, I don't know, maybe, but look for it and see what the trends are with guys. I think we promoted 26 guys or 30 out of the Pacific last year, and half of them were my guys. They were guys that I was promoting by making the phone calls and getting them out of there. Some guys, we literally got them in their cars, got them on their way, and they got their jobs. And so I've really been focusing on the Pacific because when I got out there, what I thought was interesting was my first manager and a guy that invited me to spring training a couple years ago was was a major league player. Okay. And I was like, I was like, why is Aaron Miles managing oh, yeah. in this league? And then I remember my first spring training games against Templeton Jr. This Gary Templeton's son who played. Yeah. Why is he managing in this league? And then the next Vallejo manager is ends up being uh, that I 
now works with me full time is PJ Phillips. And PJ yeah. played in AAA, you know, drafted and brought up the whole family's played and his brother's yeah. in the big leagues. And why is this yeah. guy here? And so you start to see this credible league. The, the San Rafael Pacifics used to do a great thing uh, under the old ownership promoting and signing players, getting big, high-level guys. Sonoma, always been a winner. And you saw this league that was, like, pretty credible, and there's no way that the Pecos League was this league. So I had to focus on this Pacific, and I've been out there for five years really trying to help the credibility of the league by getting guys behind home plate, taking the velos, getting the pitching charts, scouting the games myself, being on the team with the guys. I mean, I don't know what other better way to find out about players. Hey, man, what's he like? I'll tell you what every guy's like. It's a small league. It's four or five yeah, you, uh, you see everybody, what, 20 times a year? Yeah, it all it kind of works against us. Like one of our pitchers and a couple other guys I know started against like the same team yeah. every every day, every five days because uh, yeah, just the, the schedule of the was different. Yeah, yeah right. and the schedule's changed and the teams have changed. Everything's changed out there. But the problem with the league, even keeping that league's credibility, is, you know, you get the new owner with San Rafael last year. Yeah. You know, and last year it's, it's I mean, same – game plan you know it's the same done game plan it's the same thing and uh, i was offered that job to be the manager for that team last year san raf but uh, to be the manager i would have had to raise 60 grand and give it to the team and not pay the players and i couldn't be part of it so i didn't do it and then uh that's unreal so and that right of course right and then they end up having a team not paying anybody winning the championship of course that team is now sold to the pecos league and it's now part of the Pecos League. And so, as you you know, you start to see the whole thing develop, you realize that the Pacific Association, when I got there four years ago, was something different than it is now. And that's right. why we focus on, you know, Sonoma, um, Napa, Vallejo, the teams that are yeah. you know, work closely with Vallejo, obviously. But, you know, you see now this other team come in, doing a barnstorming tour and yeah. going down to Florida for a couple of weeks and then hitting the yeah, road. It's almost and like I've see- seen that somewhere before. Right. Yeah, I think I, I think I know that one, but I don't mind if anybody does it. The yeah. problem becomes the credibility of the league. Yeah. What I begged, what I begged Mr. Dogecoin when I talked to him on on New Year's Eve for an hour and a half, what I begged him of was, if you're going to do it and you need help, let me know, because I don't want the Pacific, which is already hard enough for me to promote players out of, is already hard enough for me to 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 make credible to now be connected with what I think it's going to be connected with. Because if we do that, it's going to hurt the credibility of the league like the travel team did last year. You know, like yeah. like you just the more things that we have like that, the more it's going to hurt the credibility of the league. When guys like P.J. Phillips, who've been in the league for a long time, Zach Pace been in the league a long time. You know, I did a tryout with Zach Pace in the offseason and he's he's college baseball coach. He's baseball 24 seven. All he cares about is winning, man. He don't want to worry about all the other stuff. He wants to win, you know, but. When you got when you have a team coming in that's basically pay to play, and the last couple teams that have been in there have been pay to play, it becomes like, you know, what's going to be the face of this league, and what kind of players are going to want to come here? How are you going to win? How are you going to convince players that they should come play for you and win a championship and get promoted when they see, well, the other team over there is good, you know, they're not paying anybody, and they did they, they, this other team doesn't even have a home field, and they play double headers and. You know, it's like it's crazy. Doubleheader on a Saturday, and then you know, like, what is going yeah. on? Teams are playing at eleven in the morning, and so it just becomes, you know, the American Association is going to say, ah, "I don't want to know about it." Exactly. And then when you see a lot said, of, ah, I don't want to know about it. Yeah, when you see a lot of this, right. bush, it's almost bush league stuff. When you got that that kind of a setup going, and then you can't blame other teams for going, ah, I'll pass. Yeah, and so that's right. where we've done a great job getting those guys over because yeah, absolutely, they're still signing those guys. 
Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And so I, I guess, you know, another thing um, to kind of to throw in here for for just for our listeners. So what, what do you think the end game is here? Right. So the, the Pecos League, the Pacific Association, what what is their future? Uh, what is your future working with them? What kind of relationship are you going to be able to build with them? Uh, moving forward, obviously, the Pecos League is pretty fractured at the moment. Um, so what do you think moving forward is your game plan uh, to kind of get guys and, and keep doing the important work that you're doing? I mean, uh, for me, I, you know, I got to tell a guy if he's going to be in my thing and his name's going to be on anything, then you're not playing in the Pecos League. But like I've always told the guy, even before any of this came up, you know, which I've always said, it, 70 guys went there last year or, or maybe it was, you know, could have been. 50 guys and a bunch of them move twice or whatever, but say 50 guys go there. You know, I told them all the same thing. I said, but right. do you want to, do you want to, because what's becoming of what's becoming of it, which we just talked about the credibility of the league and the, the quality of player that's going and why, and what everybody thinks of the different people that are involved. The, the, the problem is, is a kid better off playing in a men's league with my brother in New Jersey over by you guys and waiting until the Jackals or Boulders or someone calls right? because maybe financially and maybe accountability and credibility wise, it might be better. Some of these guys are not ready to be men living in New Mexico, driving eight hours at night after your game gets done at midnight. Maybe they're not ready for that, you know? And so I'm dead honest with them. So it's always going to be the same conversation, but now it's, I think it almost ends up being better because I've always felt bad sending guys to shitty situations. I've broken it down to them. I've never sent the guy somewhere and not told him what it was going to be. Now I don't have to feel bad about it. Yeah. I don't have to send him there. I don't have to send a guy to the middle of nowhere. I just, I, I'm almost happy. It, it, it sucks right now for the guys that can't play because their names were out there or whatever. But really, if they fought it and they wanted to, I mean, is it right that their names are even on there? And could they probably work something out where they get off there? I don't know. But should they pay for it? No. You know, but maybe just bringing light to it and telling people what's actually going on might help them get their jobs if they want their jobs. But there's some guys that have been playing in the league for two, three, four years. And, you know, they're always buried on the worst team in the league. They start out on a better team and then, oh, you got to go to the worst team in the league because, you know, you got to make a trade. But you don't really got to make a trade. You just want to hurt that guy. And so... You know, is that guy's life better off going to the Empire League or going to the Pacific Association or going to, like I said, stay home in Chicago, playing a men's league and hope that one of the Chicago teams needs an outfielder? Now, if you're my guy, I'm working for you. Your name's on there. I can't make them take you. What I never do to a, a manager or anybody is say, hey, uh, hey, Evansville, hey, uh, hey, Texas Airhawks, hey, Fargo, I got a player for you, man. This guy would be really good on your team. I never do that. I wait until they ask me and I send lists out every couple of weeks or every month, depending whether they're in season or out of season. And I send information out. If I get a bunch of new guys at once or we do a scout day event or something. I put the results on there. I send it out to everybody, but I don't call anybody and say, I got this guy for you, man. Johnny would be great in your lineup. Like I don't do that. So if you're my player, I'm always working for you. It's just a matter of what have you done to build your credibility so that I'm saying, this is the guy you need to take. You need an outfielder tomorrow because the guy just got signed to affiliate ball or you just had an injury or whatever, this guy could be there tomorrow and you should take him because of this, 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 and this. And if you don't want him, you want the left-handed hitter. I got this guy and this is the other guy that could play first base. And, and I give them the list and I send them these spreadsheets and I send them detailed reports and I can only do so much. You know, it becomes what is the guy going to do to make himself credible? And that's why I think this whole 
this whole zombie thing is great because now I got all these guys feeling like they got cut short while they were in Florida, except we've been going at it for three, four months. So now you feel shorted because you didn't get out there and do it early because you thought that hitting in the cage or you thought that this was the way or that was the way. And it's kind of a metaphor for what these other coaches are going to feel. They don't do anything to go see players. They don't do anything to get out there to make themselves better. And then all of a sudden the season's just going to, you know, hurry up and be right in your face pretty soon, you know, and guys are going to be, you know, especially the frontier league teams that are changing rules and all the different leagues, everything that's happening, you know, it's going to be a different kind of season if it starts late and there's no minor league releases and you're not sure what the college guys did on paper, it's going to be a totally different kind of season. I think it works in our advantage because we have the most seasoned guys that are trained just for this. You know, we're like the hurry up and wait soldiers. We have no problem doing it. So it's going to be interesting how all this stuff kind of how it shapes out. Um, but for me, I just I need to focus on the 50 guys we signed last year in, in the Frontier League. Three of them are in affiliated ball right now. I need to focus on the 30 players we signed in the American Association last year. I need to focus on the probably however many guys are going to go to the Pacific Association this year. I need to focus on those guys because those guys that are signing in the higher levels are opening doors for other guys, you know. Jordan Brink was easy because he already had experience. He pitched with Pittsburgh, got him to Southern Illinois. Uh, Brewers grabbed his contract, and then he got flipped to another team. But he was already somebody. It was easy. But I had already had a few guys in there with Southern Illinois. I had Matt Parrish, who pitched for the Jackals for a little bit, finished mm-hmm. his career in Southern Illinois. Yeah. I had a, a, another lefty in there. I had a, an infielder, Ryan Lashley, who had a bunch of extra base hits and RBIs in there one year. And so I had already developed a relationship with them little by little by little. Now we get Brink in there from the Pacific association and he gets his contract purchase, you know, it's now I can send more guys to Southern Illinois, you know, but that's where everyone needs to understand the actual process of, of how it all works so that they understand, you know, what I really need to do in the off season, where I need to be, you know, for example, for you guys, you know, say you're two players, you live in the Northeast. We could have been working every week with uh, Chicago White Sox coach, Miami Marlins at the time coach. That's my yep. pitching coach who got the job at China. bunch of yep, independent right. teams are there every couple of weeks watching these guys. That's where you should be hitting your VP. Not in Long Island, not in Staten Island, not in yeah, no, You should be hitting not- in front of people that can see and scout and push you. Right. And, it's, and it's set up to be, you know, to be a thing where we see you. We recommend some things. We watch you for a little bit. We don't just change everything. You know, we want to see your approach. We don't really care about your mechanics. You know, it's more about the approach. It's more about seeing do you translate and stuff. And guys aren't willing to go through that process. They're not willing to go through the actual process, which might take forever. You know, because what's happening now is who's signing? You know, if you're not on the board and you think your window is closing, the the problem is for most of these guys, nobody told them that your window is already closed. It's it's already passed. So now you got to go dominate. Indie ball. You got to go be a five, six year guy, get the two, three, four thousand at bats, prove that you could play at that higher level. A lot of guys aren't willing to go through that because we're in the we're in the now time and they want everything now. Exactly. And but it's so a slow it's, burn. It takes yeah, time. If you've already yeah, if you've already missed it, now you got more work to do it. to catch up. Yep. And that's the problem. These guys, uh, you know, especially I'm sure you see it in in the in that area in the Can Am League the last yeah. few years. I kind of watched back and forth. Had some yeah. players in there, some teams, and a guy would just stop playing. Oh yeah, and, you, and you'd be like, "Man, why did that guy stop playing? He had like 800 hits, and you know, and some guys they just they're done. They were just playing to to play as long as they could, or win a championship, or whatever. Maybe they just thought they were going to get picked up or whatever. But the guy that keeps playing now in indie ball, it's becoming like indie ball is another level of minor league ball. And and I'd rather sign a guys are you don't want to sign at an indie ball and go to 
and go to a ball and duke it out. You know, you want to put up numbers and develop yourself and get picked and go to a higher league, you know, right. and, and get a real contract where they're not just going to release you in two weeks or in the off season or whatever. And so that's where indie ball for the guys that can get into the higher level leagues. That's where being a Pecos guy that gets, doesn't get treated the right way or being a, a Pacific guy that can't get out of Northern California or, or whatever, an empire guy and not playing enough games, USPBL, not playing enough games, you know, yeah. something like that will hurt them because it could be a guy that could be the next guy up, but you would never know because the USPBL is not willing to, you know, they can't play every day. Exactly. And, and, uh, you know, and, and you're, no one's actually giving you the actual reports of what pitching is in what league and what hitters are in what league, what catchers, what are the fields like, you know, mm-hmm. And so once you know that, then you can then you could gauge the leagues a little bit more. But until they these guys actually try to work together, it's just going to be how much money can I make in the offseason? And, you know, how can I how can we shut Joe Torre down? You know, so I want to switch gears real quickly here because you've been very generous with your time. And I see we're at nearly an hour. So this has been flowing pretty good here. But I just want to quickly ask here, obviously, with the whole coronavirus thing going on. You have some uh, barnstorming tour games that are scheduled for April, and that's touch and go at best at the moment. What? How is the virus really affecting that kind of schedule against those Atlantic League teams, against those Frontier League teams, and then obviously the Pacific Spring Training? Well, I think uh, the obviously the Atlantic League's tied with the MLB, so they're they're not yeah. going to do anything. I don't even think their tryouts until mid May, end of May. They probably yeah. won't start till June, so the Atlantic League's probably out. Um, the Frontier League, I know, has a meeting this week to discuss some things. So I think we'll find out more later this week when they decide what their actual restrictions are. I know that there's been no one in the offices. And I know that my ownership in Schaumburg and Gary ended up uh, telling everybody, you know, stop doing everything you're doing. We don't we don't need to get flights or anything right now. Let's put a little uh, postpone it. But I think it just depends on the on the restrictions on the on the nation and per state. If If they lighten up. April 15th, like I've heard, or April 1st, it depends on where you are. Like I'm in Florida and it's not yeah. nearly as restricted, but I think if they, if they lighten up, I think the frontier league and the American association, they might try to stay on course because spring training wasn't supposed to be until, you know, late April after the draft, they might push back a little bit, I would think, and maybe just shorten spring training because that'd be a great expense to cut anyway. Yeah. Uh, it just sucks to have to cut that many players in that short a period of time. That might be the issue. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you have no minor league releases and you don't have all this other stuff. You don't have the, the college draft. So you don't have a lot of other things to really base how long you want to be on spring training off of it, except for money. You know, how much is it going to cost? How long do we need to be here? So I think if they can figure that out, they could stay on point with, with some of the dates. I've heard the frontier and American might still stay. The Pacific starts the latest. So I would assume that they would just try to keep it. Like for example, there's some new owners out there. Do they want to not have baseball? I don't. I think yeah, that they that really be... need to have. Yeah, they yeah. need to have something. So I would think that it's all still gonna go until we hear otherwise. I mean, obviously, we'll see what happens with this meeting this week in the Frontier mm-hmm. League, and uh, yeah. you know, hopefully, everything goes. But if it doesn't, I would think maybe the teams would want to do some sort of abbreviated. Yeah, something which we I've already reached out to a bunch of teams and told them, you know, we'd be willing to do whatever you need to do. And that's that's the thing. We have so many players all over the country and all it is really is, you know, plugging them in when they're needed. So what's the difference between going to spring training and playing against them or going and throwing for them or whatever? And and that's my problem with everything else that's going on. You know, everything else that's going on is like sign up on my website and we'll we'll get your information out. Even agents, you know, what's an agent doing selling the same player to the same 14 teams. So 
you know, trying to be as accurate as you can with the information is how to get these guys signed. And that's why, you know, when this thing kicks back up, it'll be interesting to see how many guys get right back down here and get to play and, and join us and uh, how many guys are going to be up in the Northeast. I think you're going to see a lot of our guys up there for uh, those boulders and Sussex yeah. and all those, all yeah. that stuff that's going to be going on. Yeah. And then obviously around here in the Northeast, when you have this whole New Jersey area that, I mean, New York and New Jersey are basically on lockdown at this point. So who knows how that's going to go. And that's going to have to certainly affect the starting point for the Frontier League. But the American Association, the one I have the most hope that will actually start on time because they have said to this point, we're starting at the same time. So I, I got I to believe that that's what they're trying for. Yeah, I think the only thing that would ha- that could really restrict the Frontier League or the the uh, American Association would be a change in the nation where they yeah. where it gets worse, you know, quick. And if it doesn't get worse, you'll probably see it lighten up. You know, I think some of the places around here didn't really need to lock up, and other places they didn't really need to. They just did it, you know, yeah. out of precaution. Like even we we, we might have played the last baseball game in America <laughs> on Tuesday. If you know anybody yeah. else that played in the states, I know that Tillman Fuse playing in Japan right now. But um, yeah, yeah we might we might have played the last game. It was a pretty good game on Tuesday. But, you know, I saw literally colleges cut their games in the middle of a game, run off the field, jump on the bus. So it's a, it a little crazy and it's, it's better to be safe. Uh, yeah, it's better you know, than safe but, than have that problem appear. Yeah, but I've been talking to guys about it and it's a great I think it's I mean, I, obviously, I don't want anything bad to happen, yeah. but it's a great cog to be thrown in the wheel because now people have to adjust and you'll find out who's real good at adjusting and using their resources and getting it done as far as getting players, as far as, you know, uh, following guys who finished their senior seasons and could play or could go back to school next year. A lot of kids are waiting to weigh their options right now. And I think what they're going to find out is they're better off just playing because honestly, if you go back to school, how many times have you heard it? Oh, I got drafted. I turned it down. I went back to school. I tore my arm. Well, Probably should have went when it was time to go, but you know, now that, oh yeah, but it was all for the better. Yeah, was it really? So now you get to see where a lot of guys go and the decisions they make, where where teams get players from, and you know how long yeah. it takes for guys to get released. They're going to cut some minor league seasons, so it'll be a yeah. We're going to see who separates themselves from the pack here in the yeah. in the next few weeks. Yeah, yeah. And, and it'll be interesting because guys like. Uh, you know, obviously Sussex over there and some of the teams that are over there that are deep rooted in all those colleges and all the facilities and they know all those people, they might be a little bit better off than some of the teams that are out in the middle of nowhere now where there's not as many good players or as many colleges or as many guys that even know about it. Um, you know, and it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how they react against each other, you know, especially with the going over the border stuff now and, yeah. you know, we'll kind of even, I'm sure there might yeah. be even some restrictions when they start letting everybody go through again. So yeah. those trips are going to be, you know, they're not going to be easy trips for those that teams. Difficult. Yeah. 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 All right. uh, yep, we, it's going to be interesting. Yep. We've spent an hour talking about this, the Pecos League and everything in between. We thank you for coming on. You're very generous with your time. We're definitely going to have to have you on again because this was a, a great conversation we had. Definitely, fellas. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Whatever you guys need and whatever I can do for the boys and to get the information out there, man, that's that's all I'm trying to do. So I appreciate the, I appreciate the vehicle to do it today. Yep. You, you have anything you, yep. you have anything you want to promote before we uh, cut off the recording here? Ah, just that, uh, you know, the, the misconception with the Black Sox is that it costs an arm and a leg and you got to live out of your car. But really what it is, is it's a, it's a decreasing membership that guys get so that they can play every year for a cheaper price. And it's a way to develop a plan and a map for what you're going to do for your future, whether it's should I go to this tryout, you know, should I go to this event? 
you know, we're here in Florida year round to see players. And so I think guys just need to understand that it's more of a developmental membership program where you can get seen. And it's not something where it's a one month winter league or, you know, where, uh, whatever it may making you live the hard life. I'm teaching guys to live the life. I mean, I'm still doing it. Like I said, I, I cost myself an opportunity as, as maybe a veteran in the Pecos league this year. And so I'm learning along with the guys. So the advice that I'm giving is not, I'm not making it up. I didn't start doing this yesterday. And, you know, we really just, uh, you know, just trying to help as many guys as we can help. And, uh, you know, it's because people helped me along the way and that's why I'm here. So, I mean, I'm doing it for as long as I can, but who knows if, if this whole thing turns over into this, uh, get rid of all the indie teams and do all that kind of thing. I mean, yep. guys need to be kind of thinking ahead. And, and so that's where we're always trying to, you know, worry about the next thing. But, you know, right now for these guys that want to play, I mean, what other options are there really to, to play? So if they need us, we're out there, man. We're like Batman. You throw up the sign and we show up pretty much in every city you're at. So and hopefully we get you two guys on the road, man. You guys better be. Oh, on yeah. That. No, we definitely love to join you. I mean, it's definitely- in the booth calling some games. We'll get you oh, some yeah. of Bat Blue. Oh yeah, we're down. Got to go to Quebec, Washington. We got to get you, man. I mean, why not? I mean, yeah, yeah. I have to get my passport straightened out. All right, yeah, get your get your paperwork taken care of. Yeah. All right. All right, man. Thank you for coming on, man. We appreciate it. Joe Torrey from the Black Sox. All right. So now you've heard us on the before side of this interview and now you will hear us on the after side to kind of give our thoughts on it uh already will be kind of running a bit long because you know we went for about six and a half minutes to preview it and now we're discussing it afterwards so we're going to be on a little bit of a longer side for this episode but it'll be fine because we do want to just quickly recap and give our thoughts on this interview as a whole and then obviously we'll talk more compare and contrast on tuesday once you've heard the tj interview but it's important though to discuss this Joe interview. What were your main takeaways from this interview with Joe? So my main takeaways for this interview are that one, Joe runs a very professional organization. If you've got an operation that runs 12 months a year, that is getting guys committed to getting guys into the league, then it's a very professional. And secondly, it's a very effective organization. It is an organization that works. Guys get into the league, 100 plus guys, if you take out the Pecos League, you're talking about someone who can run this organization in Joe and get them to where these players need to be. This is just how it works. It is effective. Not saying, this is not to say everybody's going to get a contract. He doesn't say that. But to be fair to him, he absolutely is effective at his job. And that's what makes me question right his portrayal of andrew dunn is another huge takeaway if this that's my first bullet point is that it's a professional and effective organization for the black Sox. my second takeaway perhaps most importantly through the whole interview is that andrew dunn is kind of he paints him as a calculated character that is trying to make money right is trying to out to make money off of these hudson river league move to Texas and other things like that that go on throughout the interview that he talks about that to me are the two main points for me to take away that one, this is a professional organization that Joe's running and two, that the, his painting of Andrew Dunn, which as we'll get into uh, a little bit later into the next uh, episode here is what, who Andrew Dunn is, right? Is Andrew Dunn the capitalist who is out trying to, stop anybody from taking his money and his the ability for him to get money uh, from these winter leagues or is he out there just trying to protect players 
And that's a really interesting question. I think that's something we'll touch upon, like I said, much more uh, at another time. But for now, just back to the recap. I think, again, he, he he's very rational and reasonable with how he talked about everything. He answered a lot of our questions in depth and thoroughly. Uh, and one thing that I thought also was very interesting is quite simply, he didn't come on and maybe you or I thought that this was going to be a little bit more rougher for the Pecos League. I thought that there was a chance uh, that this could go a little bit off the rails. And no, Joe was very much in line. Uh, he definitely said things that I believed to be true, uh, that he really looked at the Pecos League from an overall scale, that it is not for everyone. It is not a glamorous or easy league. You're not dealing with an Atlantic League standard of independent league baseball. But it is an absolute opportunity and a springboard for a lot of guys. So I think that's something that's really interesting is that he did give the fact that he himself was part of the Pecos League and that it is a fair league that if you're in the right state of mind, it's a good springboard uh, to move forward from. So those were kind of my main takeaways. Um, some other stuff was that he he projects a character a little bit. He did say that at one point. Yeah. So he projects a character here uh, that necessarily isn't who he is off the diamond or off social media. Uh, and he said Andrew does the same type of thing, which I found very interesting uh, as well. Exactly. Like that's the, the character thing is what kind of led me to believe that we were going to get, like you said, a bit of a rougher interview, both for, or especially for the Pecos League. I was expecting to, I guess I fell for the character online too, where I was expecting this real bombastic type where we were just going to get a slaughter of the Pecos League. And it was totally opposite. And like you said, he was, he was very professional. And the sense I got, the main takeaway I got from this was, like you said, that Andrew Dunn is the the key cock to this we said this a little bit earlier in the episode and then uh, on tuesday when you hear or tuesday or wednesday when you hear the tj interview you're also going to especially hear us talk about don a lot but my thing was that he is an extremely professional guy joe that he really does care about his players he's going all out he's doing everything he can the thing that surprised me the most the thing i wasn't expecting to hear the most was how in there are some managers in the pecos league that, you know, they're not giving the most accurate assessment of their guys. That supposedly they're, there's almost an unspoken rule of don't move the guys along type thing. That was the kind of sense I was getting. He was mentioning um, the one player from Milwaukee and how, you know, he was trying to get along and then it wound up being both Dunn and uh, Tory moving this guy to Milwaukee. And how a lot of times he has to contact the players directly to get their side of things, to try and promote them. Because if he contacts the managers or the GMs, it's just going nowhere. That was something that really did take me by surprise. But uh, you, anyone that's saying that, that uh, like this, the one main takeaway I did have, especially now with the ability to look back here after conducting both these interviews and listening to them both a couple times over, is that Joe definitely cares about his guys. He he's extremely successful at what he does. He's been doing this for almost a decade now. He clearly moves guys along, moving over a hundred guys a year. When you discount the Pecos League and when you factor them in, over two hundred a year, it says a lot. 
The fact he's the only 12-month organization says a lot. And the fact that it's not just in Florida, it's not just in Texas, it's not just in Chicago or New Jersey or New York or wherever. It's across the country as various different things. And just from what he's been able to accomplish alone tells me that he does care and that people that go out and say he's out he's out here just to make money or that he's doing it for his own gain i'm i don't necessarily believe that right i i I absolutely agree with that i think that that's very very much what makes me kind of skeptical of people who do say that he's only in it for the money is if you've had interactions with him from everything he's told us in this interview um some off the record stuff he seems to genuinely believe that he uh, should genuinely be someone who cares about his players. Like you said, it's exactly the truth. He is there fighting for his guys. If you sign with Joe Torre's organization, if you sign with the Black Sox, you are going to at least have the support structure that is needed uh, to move into a Pecos League or move into another league, an American Association, a Frontier League. He has the framework in place to allow himself to do that. And to me, that's what really makes him a professional guy, a guy who cares about his players and a good guy, is that he's able to pick point, pinpoint all these different things and all these different strategies that he has and move guys into leagues. He can put guys into a frontier league, he can put guys into American Association, and he can put guys, obviously, into the Pecos League. So by doing that, it shows me that he's talented at what he does. And if he didn't care about the players, then he wouldn't have all of these guys going into leagues. He would just have one or two guys, the most talented, who you know randomly go to one of these leagues, and then they come back, and that's it. They are not. They go one or two weeks, and it's fifty guys for the whole his entire year, and he's done. I mean, we're talking about hundreds of people. He said over two hundred players. I mean, who knows how many yeah. people he has in his roster? But that has to be a large percentage. Exactly that, and how he was saying how yeah, like I tell guys before they go to the Pecos League. You really have to be committed to this and how sometimes there's these younger guys that they're just not ready to go live on their own in New Mexico, that they're just not as a person ready to do that, that they need to get right with that first, that, you know, I when I send them to the Pecos League, I make sure that they are ready to do that grind. And that's one thing that they both hit on. And we'll talk like we keep saying, we'll talk about this more in the next episode. But that grind, that aspect, is something that everyone agrees to. That this is a it is a tremendous stepping stone if you can hack it out there. And it's not so much the level of play, but it's more, especially for younger guys, getting used to being a professional, getting used to just being responsible for yourself. That there's no longer going to be that coach or that academic advisor or that counselor that's going to be right over your shoulder making sure that you do your work, that you get your workout in, that you're eating right, that you're sleeping right, that you're going through a proper routine. That it's now on you. That if you don't work out, if you don't want to go to the field early and get, you know, two hours of reps in before practice starts, no one's going to force you to do that. But your level of talent and your level of work in the level of everything that goes into being a professional ball player is going to be lower than somebody that does. And that one thing I think they both hit at was that hard, they rather have the guy that works hard and is slightly less talented or slightly less of a better ball player than the guy that's a better ball player, but doesn't put the work in. And it, that just speaks, it speaks a lot about both guys. And that's, that was one of my other main takeaways here that, there was a there's an awful there's an awful lot of similarities across 
the board entirely. Agreed. There's a lot of similarities. And as we'll get into, like we said, next episode, there's a lot of crossover. And I think there's no reason to believe that things can't be patched over. Joe seemingly is open to patching things up here uh, and having some kind of uh, truce between the Pecos League and the Black Sox. I think symbiotically, these can work. These can be a symbiotic relationship between the Black Sox and the Pecos League, but there has to be that type of relationship where you have trust on both sides and you have respect for both sides. And if you're able to have that, I think ultimately that's good for the players because the Pecos League is essential. Let's not let's not make any qualms about this. It's not an easy league. It's a grinder league. But it seems essential to a lot of these guys who haven't had the opportunity. It is a springboard. It is a hard springboard. It is not an easy springboard to use. But there's a lot of guys who can use it and then put themselves in position to succeed. And I think that's what both of these guys said, as we'll get to later. And so just one last point I'll touch on Hmm. is it's very important that things do smooth out between Joe and the Pecos League because I think the Pecos League is important. And I definitely think Joe and what he does is essential to a lot of these young men who might need a guy like Joe to come in and say, this is how you need to be a professional. Right. Like that. He's he's giving them not just the physical and tangible skills, but what he gives them more than anything else is the mental aspect of what it's like to be a professional. And that is invaluable for these young guys who are going to him as 23, 24, 25 year olds trying to get signed into a higher league. Exactly, I agree with that. I'll talk more about you know in a well when we record the back half of this in a couple of minutes, but when you all hear it in a couple of days, I'll talk more about the importance of the Pecos League and what I gleaned from that because I got more of the importance aspect of it when I was talking to TJ. But I do agree the the more I don't want to say it's not important the the ball player skills that Joe's giving these guys because that is important, but I think the more important aspect of this or the more important aspect of what he does is getting them ready to be a professional and figuring out who wants to really be a professional ball player. Who's just saying, I want to play ball for a living? And who's actually wants to do it? Who wants to put in the hard work? Who wants to just keep playing ball for a couple of years before they get an office job? And who wants to, you know, well, try and make a go at this? Because he even admit, there's some guys where they have their, their window is four to five years. And if they can't get it done then, then they're just out of luck. They're just done. And that that's something that really is true. And I, I'm interested yeah. to see, especially because I, I hope we do get some feedback from guys that were both Joe guys and Pecos League guys. And we get some more feedback from them because I'd, like I'd like to hear from everybody and see their thoughts on everything. But... Yeah, it was, it was definitely a, a really enlightening interview, and I do want to thank Joe again for coming on to the show. Uh, we've definitely appreciated him have, coming on, and we definitely want to have him back on again. He was a great guest to have. He provided a lot of very solid information and a, a great source for this ongoing issue as it appears to be. So, again, just thanks to Joe Torrey for coming on, and uh, we hope to talk to him again soon. So Absolutely, yep. Just... I'll echo that same message and say thank you, Joe, for coming on. It was really a pleasure to have him. Very interesting guy, very professional guy. 
from beginning to end of the interview, uh, seems to do things the right way on in his organization. Uh, this situation is unfortunate, especially for him, because he seems to be someone who does a lot of good work for his players. So, uh, I, you know, I do want to thank him for taking the time out, coming on and sharing his side of the story, which is so valuable to us as we try to give everyone else the best information that we can. A hundred percent. So I guess we'll plug our stuff and then get out of here. And then we'll, you guys won't hear from us again for a couple of days, but then we're going to go record more stuff. We'll get to our plugs now. So you can find us on Instagram at Indie Ball Report and Indie Ball Report James. You can find us on Twitter at Indie Ball Pod. Be sure to follow us on those two mediums to stay up to date with all we're doing and to participate in our Indie Ball March Madness. Now, if you want to figure out what happened this past week in the Indie Ball March Madness or see those stories that we talked about at the beginning of the show where we said we'll do our regular show on YouTube this week. Yeah, if you're into that kind of thing, you're going to want to follow our YouTube channel. Subscribe to that, like, rate, review, the whole deal there at Indie Ball Report Podcast on YouTube. That's where you'll find all that information. You can find everything we discussed here today, the show notes, and everything under the sun on our website, www.indieballreport.com. And you can listen to us on really anywhere you find podcasts, but particularly on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, and Podomatic. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on all of those mediums to help us continue our growth that we have been going through. And so with that, do we have anything else left to add before we close out this episode? Nope, nothing left. All right, so then with everything said, nothing else left to add. Happy quarantining, and until next time, don't forget to play ball.